This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He played. Oh, he's the one. Pussy up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football Sunday Recap Edition here alongside Carter Yates and Mallory Hartley. How's everybody doing? Mallory, you don't have to answer that. It's okay. Shut up. So... No, I, I was just going to say, one, my our team's dead. My team's dead. Um, two, I don't even get my cocoa better. So I'm not doing well. <laughs> the most devastating part is. The most devastating part is I don't get my Costco palette. I almost did. And we can get to that later. But yeah, I almost at least had a decent Saturday. You well, did, yeah. nonetheless, I was in the third quarter. Like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> I'm about to spend my entire life savings on cocoa butter. You should have seen my search history was just like where to buy largest size cocoa butter Vaseline. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to go to Walmart, Costco, like maybe (laughs) Amazon here. I don't know. You were just like, just desperately just trying to find something. Like, please give me something here. (laughs) Let me just figure this out. Have this on the back burner. Uh, Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that game. Uh, UNT at Tulane. Um, but we got our three games of the week. I mean, honestly, outside of one result, kind of the, probably the most depressing games of the week in terms of results uh, we've had this year. Kind of bloodbath part two, I'd say. Bloody Sunday part two, in my opinion, as, as far as across the state goes. But we'll start with kind of the, the lukewarm results because we had an interstate matchup. Texas 31, Houston 24. I mean, look, this game was over and then not over and then very much not over and then kind of over finally at the end. Uh, Texas comes out, complete control of this one, basically. Oh, was it 21 nothing right at one point? 21 nothing. I mean, offensively running the ball with ease. I mean, and then towards the end of the half, what was kind of the swinging point? Because, like, obviously Houston scores 14 to end the half, and so they go into the half 21-14. And then it's tied at one point. What was kind of, I'm trying to think of the scenario that uh, that's kind of swung the game towards the end of the half. I think it was when Houston figured out that Texas can't cover a crossing route. So yes. So that's okay. So there's, there's one thing Houston completely abandoned the run. And they said, you know what? One Joseph Manjax open every single play. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they, you mentioned it crossing routes. And again, I think, we we had our midseason picks earlier this week, and I picked Oklahoma to win the Big Twelve because they do not have a weakness on this defense like this Texas like Texas does right now in the secondary. That's the second time we saw it with Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel where they just said, you know what, screw the deep shot. We're going everything underneath, whether it's over the middle like Houston did, or just everything to the outside like Oklahoma did. Every Texas, I don't know if Texas is just like trying to protect their back end of the defense or whatever. But everything in the line, I mean, honestly, as good as Anthony Hill is, he's not, he, he can't cover the whole middle of the field by himself. And Jalen Ford's not necessarily the best cover linebacker 
so that middle of the defense is just open every single time. And mm-hmm. Houston just said, we're not going to run the ball. We can't run the ball. They're doing a good job of stopping it. And they just picked him apart in the passing game. Well, I had this thought watching because Houston and North Texas was going on at the same time. And yeah. it felt like at least in the first half of or the first quarter of both those games, it was like North Texas and Houston both knew they needed to play perfect games to win. And they're playing with the jitters of like knowing they needed to play perfect. Like when right. the Houston opened up that game, uh, Sam Brown dropped a huge deep shot, like or like the first offensive play of the game. Mm-hmm. Donovan Smith had a couple of bad passes to Joseph Manjack. And then I almost think the turning point was that fake field goal Texas ran. God, with per- okay, so can, can we talk about that? Can we talk about that? So this was another game of and this is in this before the season. This is why I kind of thought Texas would not be a playoff contender. Sark gets in his own head so many times. If you're going to go for it, just go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if don't. And also, if you're going to run a fake, don't make the kicker the one you're throwing the ball to. Right. Like Bert Auburn, it was what it was fourth and six. It wasn't like some crazy scenario. You just, you can just go for that. Um, and yeah. And then it was, they, they, they throw it to Burt Auburn, and so you're already on a field goal, so you're already five yards back from the line of scrimmage, and it's, you're making it basically 10 to 15 yards that Burt Auburn has to gain against Houston. So, yeah, that that's a good point. That was the turning point in that one. It felt like for the points at that point. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah. It felt like when I watched it, he ran like 20 yards and he actually got one yard game. One yard. I was about to say, and he still had like 10 yards to go. My guy was running for his life. Like, <laughs> yeah. Again, it, it was one of those things where you watch you watch it and you're like, just go for it. Like if you, if you already have the mindset of like, you know, uh, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to try to go for the points here. Just go, just run your base offense and try to pick something up. If you don't get it, okay, it's the same scenario. You're, you know, Houston gets the ball. And Houston gets the ball with decent field position either way. So, yeah, that one, he definitely overthought that one. And I think it was, was it Man, I think Manjack's first touchdown came on that, uh, at the end of that drive when Houston took over to end the half. And, yeah, like like you mentioned, it came on a crossing route. And it just did not, I don't know. Um, we should mention Quinn Ewers came out of the game. Um, he Apparently he he was seeing hello Mezzet, Um <laughs> <laughs> as Mezzet jumps into the frame. Um he came into the game or he came out of the game and he left the arena in a, a, a slang for what I realized. Let me take him off the desk. Um, and so Malik Murphy finished the game and it was kind of a Jonathan Brooks, CJ Baxter show to end the game for Texas. The, I don't know if they just don't trust Malik Murphy to throw right now in that particular scenario. Cause Houston was playing pretty well on defense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was, I think it, it was, I think it was that particular scenario. They probably yeah. didn't trust him because I think they do trust Malik Murphy, but getting inserted into hostile territory, like in the yeah. fourth quarter, it was kind of one of those things where CJ Baxter looked so healthy. Yesterday. He really did. He, he really looked did. like, like I was the first half of the season. It was like, he just looks gimpy like every single yeah. game. And then he needed that bye week. Uh, that was, I mean, textbook by texas to just lean on the run at mm-hmm. the end of that game with quinny was out and i mean look we don't you know you don't apologize for wins okay you got out of enemy territory with a win there 
No more talk from Texas fans about unfair Big 12 refs. <laughs> that that spot I, on third down was atrocious. That was a horrible spot. I don't know how you don't review it. I don't know how we can't get a down-the-line camera angle of it. It was that. It was also a Savion Red Wildcat package earlier in the game where they called a holding on a fourth down conversion. And you watch the replay, and it is – one, a hold, two, a face mask. I was about to say illegal hands to the face, too. <laughs> illegal hands to the face, and they somehow pick up both flags and Texas keeps the ball. So yeah. all this talk of last year, like last year in the Big 12, yeah. like unfair refs, no holding calls, it's over. No more talk about that. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, yeah, we can talk about Houston a little bit. Um, I don't think there's – I mean – I think this is the team's just kind of playing out of its mind against its second biggest crowd ever um, in probably the most important game that they've hosted in any of their lifetimes. Um, well, Donovan Smith does own Texas. I was going to say, Donovan, so this game, that's the one talking point, is that this game is you live by Donovan Smith, you die by Donovan Smith. Um, <laughs> because he wasn't even that much of he wasn't a rushing threat. It was him just being able to hit those crossing routes, like you mentioned, over the middle. And then... I mean, when he all the momentum was Houston's way, and then he just overthrows. I don't know if it was Manjack in the end zone, and Michael Taft's just like waiting right there, basically having a punt return in the end zone. Um, and it was like, oh, there it is. Like that's that's the one you were just kind of waiting for for him to make the mistake. And he finished with, I think again, he finished with a solid game. But then you realize, ah, oh, he had two picks, and like those two picks were like critical picks. Um, or no, one pick. Sorry. One pick. Um, well, also that final throw he had was on the fourth down near the when they're trying to go in to tie the game. It was a really bad throw. Yeah, it was a bad throw. So again, I'm not. I don't. I don't think there's too much to take from. In my opinion, there's not too much to take from Houston. Like you can say, oh, they're you know they played well on defense. I was like, I don't know. This is a team that gave up 400 passing yards, like the last place passing offense in the Big 12 last week. Um, they are what they are on offense. I think they're good on, I think this is a good offensive team, but I don't take this. I think Texas got in their own head. And then of course, Quinn Ewers, I don't think he was playing well to begin with also um, that well to begin with. But I also think that in the, in the second half, first half, I thought it was surgical, all that stuff, but I think they got out of their game plan and I don't know how much credit I want to give Houston for that. Um, just cause I've seen this defense get carved up way too many times to count. This as a, a plus for them. Um, speak of the defense, I would like to have a heart rate or blood pressure monitor on Dana Holgerson when he dude he was he was a red new he was turning game. Houston red like <laughs> like on the sidelines. <laughs> that first drive that Texas had coming out of the second half where Houston had to burn two timeouts on defense, I was like, he's gonna punt Doug Belk into the sun. Like, <laughs> like they were standing right next to each other and the announcer made a comment like, you could fry an egg on Dana's forehead right now. Like, he was freaking out. <laughs> Doug Belk, like, he, I thought he, is he gonna fire him right now? Like, <laughs> I just thought it was good. It was looking that bad. And then at the the last play of the game where they missed the fourth down conversion, they showed Dana on the- He's like on his knees, basically. <laughs> like, on his knees, like collapsing, like- in agony like oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um so the, the one of the stats i love to reference last thing on this game uh one of the stats i like to reference is the middle eight first four plays of the second half last four plays of the first half it's when houston came back in this game the middle eight plays houston ran 15 to texas nine 
and they ran 13 pass plays Houston did to two rushing plays. Like it was flat out abandon the game plan, go with the, what's working. And they had an EPA of over 10 Texas had a negative one uh, EPA per play um, on this one. So that's where Houston won the game and, or almost won the game. And yeah, I, I don't know if you're Texas, I think you've, this is two straight games now, not, yeah, straight games now, uh, where you've kind of showed a really big weakness on defense that I think you need to start working on fixing. So, uh, we'll look forward to seeing what this team kind of does on the on the back end of the schedule. All right, let's move on to, all right, this it was called Bloody Sunday, part two for a reason. Kansas State forty one, TCU three. I had to like double check uh, the score for this game in multiple different places because I was like, are you that what? <laughs> it looked like a fake score. I was like, am I looking yeah. at the right? Is this like last year's game? You know, like I was like, am I looking at like 2018 or something? What's happening here? I, here's the thing. I, the offense obviously just scored three. So like, I'm not here to say like, oh, it's not the offense's fault. Obviously last week, I don't want to say it was luck, but like it was a lot of freshmen, you know, there's no tape on Josh Hoover, you know, what's happening here. Defensively, Joe Gillespie, (laughs) uh, (laughs) we have a capital P problem here (laughs) because it's now been a little bit too many games where I'm watching a team just absolutely carve this defense. And to me, it's starting to be obvious that they miss guys like Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Um, It's not like Kansas State. It's a mystery about what they're going to do. They proudly said, yeah, we're going to play both quarterbacks. Both quarterbacks were pretty good in this game. Again, uh, Avery Johnson had almost 80 yards rushing on 15 attempts. Will Howard had almost like 70 yards rushing on like five attempts. Like they were just like, we're just going to do what we do. And I think both quarterbacks had like over 90 yards passing too. Like, I don't know. Again, we can talk about the offense, but like I'm willing to say that this is a third string or second string quarterback freshman who has tape against a good defense for the first time. And well, I don't know Uh, this. Yeah. This game was not close for one second. Like I hadn't even finished recuperating from the Texas Houston game. And it was like 24 to three when I slipped on uh, TCU, Kansas state. And it is like, look, you don't want to be like, Oh, the offense. Um, Like, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Ish. Like, because because Josh Hoover, a freshman, had to throw it 43 times and Amani <laughs> Bailey only gets to run it 12 times because they're not in the game from the second it kicks off. Right. Like, because the defense can't stop a nosebleed. Right. And so it totally threw them out of their game plan on offense. And, yeah, they didn't put up a lot of points, but um, the, the defense is an issue. And, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, everyone in the offseason is like, yeah, we lost Travis Hodges Tomlinson, but, you know, Josh Newton's actually better than Travis Hodges Tomlinson. And it's like, well, right. Hodges Tomlinson is still pretty good, and you'd like to have him as well on the opposite side. Yeah, the safety the safety play also just hasn't been good for TCU at all. I will say this. Avery Johnson looks pretty damn good. Like, like every time I sit, like, it's not, it wasn't just like, oh, text, like, last week I was like, oh, text just letting this guy go. And I'm like, Actually, this guy might actually be pretty damn good for Kansas State. Well, what's going to get interesting here is this Texas-Kansas State game in I think, mm-hmm. two weeks. Like, this one might be for the Big 12 championship because Kansas State, like, look, I hate two quarterback systems. I'm yeah. on record. Right. But if it's going to work like, for like them. this. It works for them. 
Exactly. We're like, Will Howard's going to throw three touchdown passes and right. have not, not have the ego to where he's going to get pissed off and just let Avery Johnson come in and also do his thing. Like, yeah, dude, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, yeah. I was going to say, I do love that Kansas State's just like, yeah, when Avery Johnson's in, we're just going to run the ball. Like, it's like, it's like, there's no, like he threw 10 passes, but like every play was like, yeah, you know, we're going to run the ball. It doesn't matter. Like he, he's a good runner. And so it's like, they just know that that system, that's kind of the system. In my opinion, that's kind of how the system works sometimes where it's like, if you just know that you're good enough, that like when this guy's in, this is the play call and it still doesn't matter. And it's like, yep, that's kind of what's happened. So I don't know. Yeah, we're on again. We're on multiple games. It kind of started with the Colorado game, uh, where the defense was like, "Oh, what's kind of going on here?" And the offense again. Yes, you score three points. Not great. Not trying to make any excuses here. But when you know, when you can't get any stop, right? Like there's no room to breathe on defense. You're gonna. You mentioned it. You're gonna have your quarterback throw forty times a game. And the defense is going to be like, okay, cool. We know we don't have to worry about Imani Bailey today, right? We don't, have to, we don't have to worry about Trey Sanders today. That's cool. Just sit back and let him try to carve us up. And he's, he's not able to. So, uh, yeah, that one, uh, ugly game from the start. I remember I didn't see this score until it was like 34 to three. And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> what's happening yeah. here? TCU is one of the most hot and cold teams this year. And every press conference, it's like Sonny Dykes. They're like the best practice team of all time. Like, he's right. like, it looks so great in practice. And he's like, I don't know how I, I'm a little miffed as to how we look so good last week and come out and do this tonight. Like, I don't understand it. You know, yeah. and it's, it's like, they're just so hot and cold. They're like one game versus SMU. Like they look great. Yep. Um, and then versus Kansas state, they look like this. Last week versus BYU, they they look like the national champions again. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Oh, no. Uh, this team, like you mentioned, week to week is just going to be different. All right. <clears throat> Let's continue the sad train. Uh, New Mexico State, 28. UTEP, 7. Um, <laughs> the this sad one. Snuggle bus. <laughs> this one. Okay. I mean, let's just get to the obvious question. It's it's not working out for Dana Dimmel. Like it's just not. Um, Jerry Kill has been at New Mexico State for two seasons, and he's already able to walk into the Sun Bowl and just run you off your home field. Right. This is why when people say, I acknowledge that UTEP is a hard job, right? But this is why I. This is why I think UTEP fans are very credible whenever they say we should be better and this is why i think they would be justified in maybe making a change this year is because you watch this game and a school 40 miles west of you is running through running down your throat in year two like i like jerry kill jerry kill's a really good coach um but you're already this far behind a conference rival and your arch rival and this is year six. I just seven? joined your conference that you've been a part of for a right. couple of years now. Right, right. You're like you're uh, you're supposed to be positioning yourself as a contender in this new conference, right? And you're year six, seven of Dana of Dana Dimmel, and I don't know, man. Like I don't here's, know. <laughs> here's where I see New Mexico State having separated from UTEP. 
Yeah. You look at the roster for next year's game, and you've got former Denton Geyer alum, Eli Stowers, who shout out him. He goes to Texas A&M as a quarterback recruit. Yes. Now he's at New Mexico State. And Diego Pavia is awesome. Like he's a, he's a really good quarterback. He might be one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch in the country. Yeah. And Eli Stowers is now playing tight end, blocking on the edges, catching expl- explosive pass plays. That's a former Power Five guy. You've yep. got a uh, talent right there. Yep. Then Tim Beck, a former Texas offensive coordinator, is the offensive coordinator at New Mexico State right now. He's drawn up, you know, shotgun handoff to. Oh no, wait, Tim Beck's at Tim. Tim, I think he was Tim Beck's at um, uh, no, no, Tim Beck. He was he's at Coast Carolina now. Oh, who did? Wait, who's the offensive coordinator? Let me see. Uh, let me double check. I will double check this for you right now. Uh, it is. This is a different Tim Beck. It is a, it is Tim Beck. It is a different Tim Beck. <laughs> oh my! I just got so duped. They said <laughs> Tim Beck on the broadcast, and I thought it was Texas Tim Beck. No, it is a it is it is Tim Beck, but it is a it is that is <laughs> awesome. That's actually great. I didn't realize there was another Tim Beck in the country. Yeah, I was about to say I was like, I think Tim Beck just took the coastal job. <laughs> All right. Well, that kind of makes my point mute. My point was going to be that like yeah. a bunch of power five people who are now at New Mexico State. Who are the power five washouts? Well, to be fair, apparently this Tim Beck is uh TCU history history at TCU. Um, looks like he's a Pittsburgh state guy, which is an interesting pull for Jerry kill, but he had some history at TCU. Um, I think he was, I think that's kind of where Jerry kill knows him from a little bit. Um, let me see. Like, yeah. So he was, I think he was, was he an analyst? Yes. He was an analyst at TCU. I think during Gary Patterson's last year. And so that's where Jerry kill met him. And so there is, I mean, there is some power five, but Jerry kill credentials basically put it that way. Jerry kill was at Minnesota, right? He was in Minnesota, but he was an analyst at TCU or the special assistant to the head coach or whatever during Gary Patterson's last year. The Dwight Schrute role. The yes, basically. Yes. <laughs> so, and so, uh, and so is, that's where they, I think that's where they connected. And so he just followed him in New Mexico State. So there are power five ties that have now yes. gone to New Mexico State. Okay. So 100%. I'll keep going on my point. I was about to say, your point stands. Keep going. <laughs> I'll keep going on my high horse. Where are the power five washouts at UTEP? What? That's my thing. Why couldn't why couldn't a UTEP pull an Eli Stowers? Why did he have to go to New Mexico State? Why couldn't they keep him in state? Yes. No. You're that is one hundred thousand percent right. That is one hundred percent it. Like that. That is the thing when you look at this Dana Dimmel tenure. Outside of keeping Deion Hankins home, right? Where's their big recruiting win? Right. And it's it's different now. Like you can also say, well, UTEP's not real one. The excuse of UTEP not really being in the, you know, it's way out West, right? That's gone. New Mexico State's pulling it. They're right there, right? They're further West and they're pulling guys like Eli Stowers, like you mentioned. Two, you're in Conference USA where you're going to be playing Sam Houston. You're going to be playing, you know, uh, Louisiana Tech. You're going to be playing schools close to Texas, you know, the, the, the main central part of Texas. So, like, that excuse is gone. <laughs> you should be able to pull these guys in. You know, like this is it's it's twenty it's college in the twenty in the in two thousand twenty three, right? You can, it's you're able to be eight ten hours from home and be okay, right? This is just how it is. You're connected always. Uh, people can go to. I don't see how people can always go to like Alabama and Oregon and all this from Texas, but like UTEP, ooh, 
you can't go to utah right it's too far you know it's like what no you can you can go anywhere right now um but also yes it's heightened by the fact that your rivals pulling these same guys that apparently you can't get <laughs> that mention of sam houston just reminded me of the wednesday night anxiety bowl we've got coming up next week between Bruh, I, that, that that anxiety bowl is right because we are going to be it's going to be ripcord cutting time for one of those teams um Perfect segue yeah, into I mean, our like, next game <laughs> to talk about. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll just end by saying this. They're also wasting Deion Hankins' best season so far. Like, you t- he's finally healthy. He went, He had 100 yards in this game. I think he has – let me see. He has 562 yards on the year, five and a half – almost five and a half yards per carry. And you're wasting him. You're wasting him. So I also want to say how much I love Conference USA on a Wednesday night. Like, I am so happy ESPN did this. Yeah. Um, the best quirk for me, let me go through a few of the quirks I love about Wednesday night conference USA sure. action. Um, the ESPN camera feed is just the same as the video board feed in these games. And what I mean by that is they'll cut oh, to it's a just something to watch. They'll cut to a crowd shot and like, let's say I'm on the crowd. They'll yeah. be obviously looking at the video board like, yeah, like freaking out in the opposite direction of where the camera is. <laughs> or they showed Cade McConnell's dad as he was throwing like his 10th straight incompletion. And there's like people behind Cade McConnell's dad, like looking at the video board like, hey. <laughs> and this is going to national TV. Also, when you go to the cam- when you go to the advertisements, you go to commercial break. Yeah. All the ads are for old people. Like they're all like diabetes <laughs> medication. Joint it's all like we know who's watching. We know who ha- grandpa <laughs> left the TV on kind of thing. It is all like grandpa left the TV on, fell asleep, woke up to UTEP first Mexico State on a Wednesday <laughs> night. And that's who these ads are for. Uh, that's awesome. You know, they need to, they need to start targeting like TNT because like, you know, they just have they just have their their movies on TNT and just yeah. they leave it on is like. Like I'm trying to think, like something, some Matthew Damon movie, some Matt Damon movie, and he just the falls born and wakes up, and it's, he wakes up, and it's UTEP, and he's like, "Oh my God, what's happening here?" <laughs> uh, all right. So with that segue, let's continue the conference USA, FIU 33, Sam Houston, uh, yeah, 27. Uh, we were going reverse power pole order, so yeah, Sam Houston, bottom of the power pole. Look, this it's a it's a very depressing year. It's a very depressing year for for Sam. There's no nothing putting it not. There's no putting it lightly. Um, every week, I feel like is going to be the week. I will own up. I thought it would be this week. I thought it, it would was be the, it was this week. Yeah, it, that was it. That was your chance. Yeah, it just seems like they just snatched defeat from the jaws of victory every single time. So, uh, so, so let's bring up bring up the scenario because I know we were talking about this in the office. So they're up 20 to 17 mm-hmm. late in this game, right? I think it was a minute to go, a little over a minute and a half or something like that. What do they decide to do on the ensuing kickoff? Pooch kick with 84 seconds remaining to gift FIU a start at the 40-yard line. Let me ask you this. Does, does FIU have any timeouts at this point? I don't even remember. No, they did not. <laughs> they did not have any timeouts at this point. So I, I, we talked about this in the office the next day. I was saying that's how, that's what being 0 and 6 does to you leading into this game. They're 0 and 7 now. Uh, that's what being 0 and 6 does to you. 
you start overthinking because you've lost these type of games over and over and over to where you're like, what's a scenario that we could lose? They could return this back for a touchdown. Don't give them that option. So you pooch kick it, right? What ends up happening is, well, actually, they're just going to drive down the field, kick a game winning or kick a field goal and take it overtime. Like, it's just like, okay, actually easier for them to drive down the field. Right, right. And you overthink it. And what you fail to recognize is the FIU quarterback actually just pulled a Garo Yeprim in, like the Miami Dolphins kicker from 19. Get his name right. You did, you did make this reference. And I want to appreciate appreciate Garo (laughs) Yprimian. Garo Yprimian. Which is a, by the way, if people don't know, Carter just graduated college. I did not expect him to make a Gary Premian reference, <laughs> <laughs> which is the, for those that don't know anybody, Mallory, I don't know, I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, Gary Premian is the Miami kicker in when they were going undefeated in the Super Bowl, who they ran like a fake kick or like, I think it was like a botched snap or something. And he threw it, but the ball slipped out of his hands. And he tried and it like he like threw it in the air, slipped out of his hands, tried to catch it. It bounced up off his like face mask, and then Washington ended up returning it for a touchdown. So like it's like one of the most infamous bloopers in like Super Bowl history. Um and FIU yeah. quarterback did that. Yeah, FIU quarterback that. did like exactly that. And gifted like Sam Houston the win. And then they, like you said, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory when they pooch kick with 84 seconds remaining. Yeah. It was awful. It's bad. Um, People are going to talk about giving up the fourth and 18 quarterback run. And yeah. yes, that was bad. The the pooch kicks where it started, but then it's the fourth and 18 quarterback run. And then like the quarterback, it, it was almost like he threw an interception and the Sam Houston safety wasn't even looking at the ball. He right. was like, if he just reached out, he would have caught it. Right. Look, Sam Houston's so uh, they're so lucky they played that game on Wednesday night and and gave us time to kind of forget about it. But now I'm getting all worked up again thinking about <laughs> transporting back to Wednesday night watching that. I was about to say I forgot about the fourth and eighteen. Though no, that's that's yeah on that last drive. Um, I'll say this: I tweeted out that I didn't think that I thought it was heading towards like a mutual parting of the ways. After talking to some people, I I, I don't believe that anymore. One, Sam Houston does still believe in Casey Keeler. I thought it would be more on Casey Keeler's end that he just kind of like be like, this isn't for me. Uh, from what I know, it's both ego and pride, ego in a good way. I don't mean that like in, in a, as a pejorative. Uh, he does not want this to be the way he goes out, right? He kind of like, he kind of sees it as a challenge. No, originally, no, he did not want to move up to FBS. But eventually he came around to the idea of him, this being like, a nice final resume checking point to get this team up to a level um, and get them to a bowl. So I don't, I no longer think this is a scenario where, you know, they're going to, this is going to be a parting of the ways or like a mutual departure kind of thing. I think he's going to stick it out. It is just very rough right now. Um, yeah. Um, yeah so. Look, we got pretty hard, got pretty heated there on Sam Houston. Let me say something nice. Um, yeah. We had a hell of a week for announcers just making up nicknames for players. Uh, Maserati Marv, Maserati yes. Marvin Harrison and Ohio State. Um, the announcers for this for this game called Trevor Williams, Sam Houston linebacker, the Barry Sanders of linebackers. I do remember that. And <laughs> I, I heard that and I was Which like, wait, like, what the? I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> 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 so like, the Barry, I was like, 
like I don't I, I do not get what that means at all. That that analogy does not work for linebackers at all. Like, what does he avoid tackles? I don't know what's happening here. All right. The one thing I will say is I didn't get it. And you were like, I texted that to y'all and you're like, those are just words in a sentence. Like, yeah, I was like that's just like saying words. I don't know. But then I saw him make a huge stop on third and two where he actually juked out like two lead blockers. And I was like, okay, I look. It's still weird. Like yeah. I'm still like that's not going to be his nickname, but I kind of get it. Yeah. I kinda You're get like, it. first of all, let me make it clear that's not his nickname, but it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, moving on. We talked about UTEP. All right, they lost, but so they technically had kind of had to drop. But let's talk about UNT Tulane thirty-five, UNT North Texas twenty-eight. This game was twenty-eight to seven at one point. And so Mal- this game was Jover at one point. This game was twenty-one to nothing going Mallory, into. Me, so we were we were over with some friends watching this game, or kind of watching this game. We were watching yeah. Texas and Houston, and then we had this game on the side, and we we're like, "Oh, we can just change it." And then, like you, I think looked at the score. You're like, "Hey, it's like 28-21 right now." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Wait, hold on, what?" And so, I, UNT played their best defensive game by far of the season to absolutely stifle this two lane offense and let their offense get back into it. Cause it was starting to be a little shaky for UNT's offense and Chandler Rogers just got going and they just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away and almost had a chance to pull off an upset. Well, that was the thing in the first quarter where it was like, or the first half or it's like UNT's offense needed a, a near perfect game to win yeah. this. And it, and it went back to the thing I was talking about earlier with the Houston of like overthinking it, playing not to lose, mm-hmm. you know, and North Texas defense was keeping them in that ball game. I mean, they forced a fumble on Michael Pratt as he's going into the end zone to make it 14, nothing. Yes. That was a huge swing, huge swing. And then uh, they got a fourth and three stop near the red zone. I think on the next drive mm-hmm. uh, that Tulane had on offense they they picked off Michael Pratt at one point too. Like the defense got some confidence from Temple, who we can talk about them later. It's just a get right game for everyone in this conference now. <laughs> at this point, um, yeah, the, the the defense kept them in that and had me, you know, going on Google trying to find cocoa butter Vaseline palettes like my entire Saturday afternoon. You know what's really funny is that I was watching the end of the game and that didn't even cross my mind. I just wanted to win so badly and knock off the number 23rd team in the nation. The cocoa butter did not even cross my mind at that point. I was well, like, dude, let's just pull this out, mind. man. It was, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, that's the I... only thing that was on my mind at that point. <laughs> He's like, I'm about to spend a paycheck on cocoa butter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so look, so here's some defensive stats right here. One of my favorite stats that I think a lot of team, a lot of, I think a lot of sites, I think it should be just be a box score stat now is our, they're called havoc plays, which results in anything that's like an aggressive play for the defense, whether it's a tackle for loss, a turnover, a sack, anything like that. That's called, they're just called havoc and there's havoc rate, things like that. UNT had three havoc plays, including you mentioned the fumble, you mentioned the pick. Uh, I believe Michael Pratt got sacked as well. That's just stuff. Yeah. They had one, I think they had, I think he had one sack. I don't know. Maybe not a sack, maybe a tackle for loss. Regardless, those play they just weren't generating those plays, and they haven't been all year. So, a, an incredible again. They lost this game, but I can't. I don't remember the last time UNT has been this happy about a loss. <laughs> um, just the fashion in which they did because 
Statement, I mean, honestly, we thought Tulane, and they still may be a favorite to win the AAC, but, like, UNT going on the road and doing this, like, yeah, that's a feather in the cap. I also and think how about Eric Morris doing an onside kick, you know, with in the third quarter, like, 304 left. Trying, yeah. 14. What was it, Mallory? What were you saying? I was just going to say, I also just think it it speaks a lot to to this team and the progress that they've made because I don't think they would have made a comeback like this, you know, last year or even earlier in the year. Like it says a lot yeah. that they're able to hang in there and at least make it a game at some point yeah. in the, the second half. So from what I do know, <clears throat> there was a uh, – the you saw the Cal game, Mallory, which was, of course, was what it was. Um and then the I think the FIU game is going to be one that they look back on and say, man, that's one that we really like. We should have stolen. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, that may be the one. If they miss a bowl, that's going to be the one that they that they look back on. But uh, apparently, after that Cal game, I don't know if it was after the Cal game or FIU. Uh, from what I know, Eric Morris basically had like a line in the sand moment with this team, and was like, "Hey, a lot of you seniors that weren't playing for me, you know, you may be loyal to the other staff. You with us or you're not, basically." And some of those guys were like, nope, I'm out. And then he was like, cool, bye. And so apparently, like, if you go look on the roster at the beginning of the season and the roster this year, there are a handful of guys who are no longer on the team, right? So there was a line in the sand moment, I think. I can't remember if it was after Cal or after FIU. It might have been after just the first game. But there was a big shift where it was like, we're just going to move on, right? We're going to, if anybody's still loyal to Seth Luttrell and don't want to play for us anymore, that's fine. Go to the portal. There was a huge, just boom, you're out. And so it, it's it not a surprise be, that the teams look different. Right. I was going to say it had to be probably after that FIU game, because that's basically when Eric Morris was like, let's scratch this whole game plan and just revamp right. this offense altogether. And let's throw yeah. Chandler Rogers in there. Cause I think it was Stone Earl who started for that mm-hmm. FIU game. Yes, he did. It had to be after that FIU loss. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, go ahead, Carter. It's kind of like, yes, the FIU loss is what they're going to look back on and say we had to have that game to make a bowl win, but also that FIU loss is kind of what made this season what it's going to be. Right. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, and now, I mean, we knew this gauntlet, the schedule was going to be a gauntlet, but now Memphis, Memphis isn't Memphis that we've been used to. So, like, they're beatable. It's at home. Um, homecoming, so it should be a decent crowd for UNT. And then UTSA, huge game for them. They host them the next week. SMU, Tulsa, UAB. It's not a gauntlet schedule. It's not the worst schedule. SMU is probably the one that I'm just like mm, pulling my t- pulling my collar at. But other than that, if the defense oh, plays like they did win. this week. There, there's three wins in there somewhere. Yeah, if they play like they did this week, there's three wins, and they could absolutely go to a bowl. So we'll keep definitely keep tabs on that. Um, all right, moving on to. A team that almost tried to give this one away. Baylor 32, Cincinnati 29. <laughs> um, look, Cincinnati stinks. And I was like, cool, Baylor finally gets a, a, a game where they should be able to walk through and kind of ha- – and it's like, nope. It, what happens was I think Baylor was up uh, – well, I forgot. What was the, what were they? They were up like 17-7 at one point when I started tuning in. And then Cincinnati came all the way back. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm looking at the 26 to 14. And at one point it became 29 or 30. I can't remember. Baylor it almost was, get lost this game. Basically. It was 32 to, to 29 because Cincinnati had yes. the ball with like a minute left in the game and they were yes, yes. 
Yes. And it was like fourth and 11. And I think they finally like had, they, they threw a pass like short of the sticks on like a guy covered. And it was like, that was the end of the game. I was like, oh, okay, that's how Cincinnati's going to lose. Um, Baylor, God, they tried to lose this game so bad. And I, I, it looked like a pretty, again, they were up 17 to seven. They were controlling the game. I think for most of this game, they were up like 17, seven up by 10 or so. Let me say something about 17-7. It's kind of a little bit of fool's gold. I mean, Cincinnati fumbled a kickoff return for a touchdown. Sure, sure. So, yes, Baylor Baylor was gifted a 17-7 lead. Sure, hey, look. Tried their damnedest to lose it. (laughs) (laughs) They tried. They tried. They really did. They were greedy. Yeah, they really did. Um, I don't know. This probably was a battle between the two worst teams in the conference, if I'm being honest. And it it, did not disappoint. It did not disappoint. They tried to both lose this one as many times they tried to win it. Um, But, of course, like, it it really was just like a sigh of relief type of game for Baylor. Just like, oh, thank God. Like, we we, we figured out how to get some wins. Um, So, I don't know. We'll see. They got Iowa State coming up. I don't really have much more to say about this one. Iowa State Uh, uh, and Houston coming up, so. Baylor, I've got something to say. Go for the it. wide zone. The wide zone's dead. Oh, right. oh yeah, there is no more. Yeah, no, this team can't run the ball at all. They team tried. They tried to run the ball at the very end of the game uh, when they needed to hold on to the ball and got stuffed like three straight times uh, and gave Cincinnati the ball back with a chance to go win that game. It was like when they needed it most, the wide zone failed them, like it has kind of failed them all year, unfortunately. Yeah. They have, right, that's gonna believe, be my main uh, project this week is to come up with a new name for our yeah. lightning round games. Yes. <laughs> so uh, on paper, on paper dot uh, dot com does a lot of advanced stats for college football. They have the offensive line stats, offensive line yards is what they call it, which is like how many yards the the offensive line generates on rushing plays. Uh, Baylor had twenty four. <laughs> 24 yards. Uh, conversely, if you want a good representation of offensive line stats, watch uh, Texas's first half running game where they're just mowing people and nobody's touching Jonathan Brooks for like five yards. <laughs> yeah. Um, for as much criticism as Blake Shapin got last year of kind of like a disappointing year for him, he has yeah. been the glue that's held them together this year. I was about to say, like, every it's kind of like a monkey paw scenario where you're like, man, if Blake Shapin was just something last year watching like, man, if Blake Shapin was just back to the year before what he showed and it was like, okay, cool. But we're just going to take away the running game this year. <laughs> He's like, we're going to show everything that he did as a freshman, but then nothing else around him. So it's like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, it's a, they're, they're a team that's kind of hard to figure out because just when I'm ready to write off Baylor, they pull me back in with a win for Cincinnati like this. <laughs> Season's back on, baby. Season's on. <laughs> All right, moving on to a team that season's definitely not on. Uh, BYU twenty-seven, Texas Tech fourteen. Look, I don't, I don't want to be too hard on this one because I don't know. Jake Strong was just not ready for this, right? That's that's what I came into this with. He threw thirty-six passes, but Taj Brooks had thirty carries, almost over hundred yards rushing, and it didn't matter because BYU basically. BYU didn't even play that well. Like Keaton Slovis was like fine, not even fine. He had like almost 50% completion, uh, like not even 200 yards passing. But Tech's offense couldn't do anything. Like you have you have Jake Strong going in there at Provo. They did put a better game plan around him. I'll, I'll say that. It was more a lot more 50-50. But eventually you got to try to come back into the game and they they couldn't. And he's not, he had three picks in this game again. He's 
to be fair, they did not expect him to have to play this year. He is a third string quarterback, um, true freshman. So I don't know how much I can like, I can't criticize them much for this game just because like it's they're snake bitten. Like their quarterback room is decimated. Brady Boyd, their wide receiver is their third, is their now their backup quarterback. And they are what they are at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, you're just not going to win games having eight turnovers in the last one and a half games. Right. Like you said, it's just Jake Strong's not ready. Wasn't supposed to be ready. Um, You know, mothers, I would think long and hard about sending your kid to be a Texas Tech quarterback right now without it's gone. (laughs) Look, I need I if if I'm if I'm a quarterback, honestly, Will, Will Hammond. Uh, his people better be talking right now saying, Hey, what's the offensive line going to look like? Yeah. <laughs> what's the, <laughs> what's the uh, what offensive lineman are you bringing in? Cause uh, we're going on even before this is even pre McGuire. We're going on three years of like this offensive line being an issue in pass pro because Tyler Shuck is living proof that they just can't protect quarterbacks. And now Baron Morton for two years, two years now in a row where they can't protect the quarterback. So it, it, that's that's the biggest indictment so far but it's not even again it's not even exclusively a joey thing it would happen with matt wells it's just now that joey mcguire was asked to fix it and it hasn't so it, it needs this kind of needs to be a big emphasis in the portal it is really hard to like kind of grade joey mcguire's first two years right now just because they've had to have three different quarterbacks both years and it's like it's I mean, just very I'll, hard to win like that I'll say this, like, so last year they proved that they could get something done, right, with no matter what, who was that quarterback. I think it is very worth criticizing that why hasn't the offensive line improved, right? Like, I think that that's one thing is this isn't, uh, the injuries aren't necessarily happening in a, in a vacuum, right? They're not just like bad luck injuries. Their quarterbacks are getting hit. Right. That is the thing that I think is worth criticizing. He's done a good job. Like if they hold on to Micah Hudson, that's a big win for them. Will Hammond, I'm really a big fan of him in recruiting. Um, I think Jake Strong is going to be a decent quarterback, but again, he's just not ready right now. I just think that that's the biggest in time is that they can't protect these guys. And so that's why I think there's going to be a big emphasis on the transfer portal because it's not just like just go get a four star tackle. It's like, no, go get a, a sophomore junior with like playing experience that can like protect these guys. Cause I do agree. Like to a certain extent, you're, you're, you're handcuffed, but at some point you got to do whatever you can to also make sure that these guys are good to go for a full season. Is Will, isn't Will Hammond doing a mission trip for like two years? Like he's not going to be there for a while. I thought. Is Will Hammond? Is Will Hammond Mormon? I thought so. Am I just am I just throwing this out here? I thought he was I did like not know, I didn't heard it. Yeah, with, I didn't know that either. I did not know Will Hammond was Mormon. <laughs> that is not familiar. I from what I know, I don't think that. All right. Well, my bad for just throwing that out there. That's not true. <laughs> you just throw a religion on Will Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throwing the Church of Latter Day Saints on Will. Hammond. Hey, buddy. By the way, you're gone until you're 25. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will. Uh, I will be doing some research and come out with a statement after this game on <laughs> Will Hammond's religion. A notes app saying, I apologize for <laughs> casting Will Hammond in the Church of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> That's I thought he was like a I thought he was doing a mission trip or something. I don't think so. I mean, that'd be news to me, but I, I don't know. I also could just not know, but I I highly doubt it. Let's put it that way. Um because <laughs> I also don't think Joey McGuire is like, yeah, sure, just take four years off. We'll just <laughs> We'll just ride with no, Barry Morton and then, like, and then like shrug for two seasons. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's it in the defense, it is only a two-year mission trip. 
Fair. I think so. Usually, that's what these high-profile quarterbacks do. That'll also <laughs> I don't <know>. <laughs> uh, Anyway, <laughs> while we figure out if Will uh, Hammond is Mormon, um, uh, moving on. Houston mentioned them. TCU mentioned them. All right, let's get to you mentioned it. Uh, oh no, no, sorry, it's not not Temple just yet. Uh, Rice get right game is get right game part two. Uh, Rice versus two, uh, Tulsa. Rice, what was the final score of this one? 42 to 10. So this one is not about the offense. We knew that this offense is basically uh, Luke McCaffrey catching passes from JT Daniels and just basically Miami, uh, Miami Wade and LeBroning it the whole time. The defense finally had a game, just a game. That's it. Just like literally just showed up and decided to make some plays, uh, force some turnovers and stop. And offense, not even a good offense, just an offense in general, uh, which is something they haven't done all year. Yeah, I, I, I'll i be honest. I did not get to watch uh, any of this game, really, because we were at a high school game. Yes, that's right. You guys were at the high school game. I mean, that's fine. But, like, Cardinal but, Williams is a freshman for Tulsa, and I was like, if they can't stop him, they can't stop anybody. And they stopped him. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge win for Rice. I mean, they're another team. Like, I feel like in the middle of the power pole right now, we've just got like go back and forth between seasons dead and seasons back on. Yes, yes. Seasons back on for Rice. Yes, seasons back on. Uh, I believe, Card- let me see, Cardo Williams finished. Uh, they sacked him twice. Braylon Braxton did come into this game a little bit as well. He was sacked once, but they had to reduce him. Braylon Braxton just a runner. He had like 80 yards on 10 carries because the defense was able to just get stuff done. Finally finally they had three turnovers uh Tulsa did and yeah and offense was able to do what it did so I think Luke McCaffrey finished with let me see JT Daniels finished with 342 through the air two touchdowns I think both of them to Luke McCaffrey or at least one of them was Luke McCaffrey and then uh Dean Connors was it it was kind of buoyed by one big run but he finished with 120 yards on the ground so look credit to Rice man they needed that they needed that two-sided performance because they got two lane coming up SMU and UTSA. So yeah, absolute gauntlet. Also, JT Daniels with a rushing touchdown. Yeah, buddy. JT there Daniels. There we go. Old man strength. <laughs> yeah. That old man and speed. Even if Dean Connor's rushing total was buoyed by one carry, who cares? They who guys cares? cannot run the ball this right. year. You yes. don't want to apologize for putting up yards. <laughs> All right. Uh let's see. I think this might be we how many more games we got? Uh two more games. So UTSA. Uh, UTSA 36, FAU 10. Um, I, I don't know if FAU is like just kind of taking a big step back this year or what, because they did not look very good um, on D- on offense, at least. Defensively, they were fine. I think they forced like a turnover with Frank Harris uh, through like a pick six that was like batted, batted up in the air. Um, but this was kind of an easy, not not an easy, but like a game where I never thought that UTSA was at, was going to lose, which is comfortable. Pretty stress-free. Um, very stress-free win. Uh, I think Josh Cephas had a, his best game of the year so far. Kavorian Barnes, they were able to spread the ball around, right? Uh, Rocco Griffin had like 15 carries. Kavorian Barnes had 10. Robert Henry had 10. So they were able to just like run the ball with multiple different guys, which is, I think, something UTSA needs to needed to be able to establish as well. So I was very... Very impressed with kind of how comfortable it never got like they never blew them out, right? It was like a 10 point game, 17 point game for the most part. Um, but they were able to just kind of hold on comfortably. So I think the defense secondary made a pick as well, had a pick as well. Um, kind of a um 
luck of the bounce kind of bounce off the receiver's chest. But still, it's a defense that's been really uh, marred this year. So I think it's a, bit, yeah. it's a good performance from them. I just I I'm gonna hold out a statement on UTSA until I see them play some of the top teams in the conference right nope. now. They showed them they can they can take care of the bottom feeders, which yes. is good. Like that you need to do that. Like good teams like dominate teams they should, but I want to see versus a team more of their caliber, what they're like. I mean, let's put it this way: two weeks they got north, they go to North Texas. I am very interested in that game. <laughs> That's intriguing. I'm very fascinated by that game. Because it's always a weird game anyways, no matter what happens. That's a good point. No matter how these teams are doing, yeah. Because I think the last time UTSA came in and played North Texas, UTSA was ranked, and North Texas ended up beating them. That's right. Yes, it was that weird, like, rainy game, wasn't it? Was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that is a good point. Uh, So, yeah, you, so they get East Carolina, uh, UTSA does, and then North Texas and Rice in back-to-back weeks. Let's see it. Let's these this is gonna be an off this is gonna be a defense that's gonna be tested. Let's see what happens here uh, over the next two weeks. Uh, I believe UTSA, yeah, they're at four wins, so they need two more to get to a bowl. Um, I think they also have an outside chance that's still technically the AAC. I'm trying to think. Uh, making the conference game. I'm not I haven't looked at the standings in a while. Let me see. Uh yeah, they are three and tied with SMU and Tulane right now. So uh speaking of SMU, let's get to our last team. You mentioned it, Carter. Get right game. Uh, Temple, uh, Sam Houston, uh, SMU fifty five. Temple nothing. Um, we were wondering when the Preston Stone game would happen, and he said, "Good luck, uh, congratulations. We play Temple, so I'm gonna. It's gonna be now." Um, Jay Arnold had the tweet of the weekend. Aggie Warpod, Jay Arnold, Coach Jay Arnold. He's like. Uh, I, yeah, I treat my body like a temple and <laughs> showed the score <laughs> SMU 55, Temple 0. <laughs> yeah, look, um, Quincy Patterson, of course, started this game for Temple, and it was the same Quincy Patterson that I think we saw against UNT, which is somebody who cannot throw the ball. <laughs> like, at, like, it's not it at all. So the defense didn't have to sweat. Um, I think they had, like, a goal. I think they had, like, a goal line at the, like, a couple plays at like the two and it was, it was just cut. They ended up finishing the drive at like the 13. Like it was, it just wasn't their offense is not good. So SMU's defense didn't have to sweat and they were able to kind of let it air it out a little bit. Yeah. I, this was another game. I didn't really, I just kind of watched the box score. We were at Texas football tonight and I like yeah. kept like showing Mallory as she's producing like, Oh my God. Like SMU's up 41, nothing <laughs> like on temple. Yeah, the game they needed. They needed it. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um, I went back and watched a little bit of it, and I, I, I kind of see the issue with Preston Stone in terms of what's been up to this point. He doesn't have the strongest arm. Like it's very. If you watch some of the deep shots they took, uh, I think a couple of them were to to Jordan Hudson and then Jordan Curley. It's a lot of air on those balls. A lot. So like. I'm wondering if what we've seen up to this point has been by design mm -hmm. because you saw Tanner Mordecai last year. He had an arm, right? He could let it rip a little bit. Now I'm not saying that obviously Rishi Rice not being there plays a big part, but I was noticing some of the passes, like some of the passes to like Jordan Curley. It was like, he was kind of breaking on a streak and he kind of had to wait. And then he kind of had to like a jump ball. And it was like, Ugh, it was kind of a lofted ball. So 
as much as I think he needed this game, Preston Stone did in terms of just overall confidence, I did also think it kind of showed maybe why we haven't seen that like vertical threat from SMU this year. Which is, it, it's fine. Like, but sure. let's go to the intermediate passing game a little bit more. And it, it still right. feels like SMU is trying to be all or nothing right now. Sure. No, 100%. They want so badly to be that offense from last year. And it's like, look, your defense is way better. Preston Stone is not the same type of quarterback as yeah. Tanner Burkai was. Let's just do something different. Like, let's do, do something, something different. Immediate. Exactly. Let's ball control. Yeah, no, 100%. So they were able to completely control this one uh, start to finish. And yeah, Temple, uh, I don't know who Temple has. I don't know if it's a Texas team because let's see who let's see who gets the next get right game. <laughs> uh, Navy. Well, I mean, their Navy already looks pretty okay. So though, I don't know. Might be a Temple. Looks like Temple does not get any more Texas teams. So we're done with those. All right, good. We're done with being temple experts for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to watch Quincy Patterson throw anymore. <laughs> we did our uh, Louisiana Tech cycle earlier in the year. Now we've done our temple cycle. <laughs> I got to see. Are we done with the Louisiana Tech cycle? No, they got Sam Houston on November 11th. So, oh! <laughs> so Louisiana Tech, we've got to run back the tape and see how see how what they're doing. Which is, that could be very interesting. <laughs> it, it, it could very much be. Um, but I think they just, I think they're, oh, they have one win in conference, I think with over UTEP. So we'll see. Um, it's like that, uh, this is, this is a obscure reference, but it's like that, it's like that office meme where like Dwight's like looking away and smiling and then Angela comes up behind him. He's like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> That's like losing a tech. <laughs> yes, literally. Uh, all right. So, uh, A&M I mentioned, uh, SMU is number two, uh, A&M, Texas State three or four and three and then of course texas is number one uh that is the power poll i'm trying to think uh of course all those other teams we had a bunch of teams on buys texas state uh AM, and was that it i think that was it mm-hmm. yeah that was it so um they'll be back i forgot who AM gets i think it might be like south carolina or something or old miss i can't remember i know texas state gets troy in a game to potentially take control of the west because louisiana lost this week so that's a little bit of something fascinating in the Sun Belt. Uh, A&M gets South Carolina. so And they suck. So Yeah, South Carolina is not good. Uh, they <laughs> just lost. Blown out by it? Missouri. Yes, they did. Yes, that's right. They did get blown out by them. Missouri yesterday. Yeah, so A&M, we'll see. Uh, we'll talk about those games, of course, on Wednesday. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff, as well as all the other shows in the Republic of Football. Um, we have – I'm trying to think how many uh, – can't remember how many shows did some recap episodes but regardless a bunch of shows did recap episodes or will be doing recap episodes throughout this week and previews as well so please subscribe listen to all those shows as well as support them uh, remember ha- uh, promo code dctf for home field 15 off your first time purchase rutgers won 31 14 over indiana i don't bowling baby <laughs> they're going bowlers it's they're going bowling now and That's it's great team. timing because they That's get ohio state now. They get Ohio State, Iowa, and Penn State in the next three games. <laughs> hey, that's what they needed. They just needed to go bowling, and that's They fine. just needed to go bowling, baby. The rest that's of the all three that don't matter. They can just go Rutgers just and Jimbo Fisher. Through. Please give us a call. 